So as John said, we are going to be in Psalm 19 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open it there with me. And there's so much truth in Psalm 19. I'm actually going to cover the whole passage of Scripture this morning. Uh, but it is such a beautiful passage of Scripture. I do want to read it in its entirety, even though I will be focusing uh, primarily uh, on verses 7 through 9. So let's begin in verse 1 as we read God's Word together. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim His handiwork. Day to day pours out His speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are their words whose, wi- whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and the words to the end of the world in them. He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward." Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. These truly are beautiful words. And as, and as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the privilege of being in a church like this that preaches the word, I think sometimes we can begin to take for granted how precious God's word truly is to us. And I think when we're reminded of, of people like Craig and Shelley Schaefer and Kent and Jenny Schaefer and other missionaries who are out in tribes all over the world where they don't have God's word we can begin to understand what it's like to not have God's revealed word. And as John pointed out this morning, as he read the beginning of Psalm 19, it's a beautiful introduction to what we're going to study because we're going to be looking at at how God's word is precious and it applies to our lives and the difference that it makes in our lives. But all of that is true because because God revealed who he was in creation. But that isn't enough. For men to be saved. That isn't enough for men to to overcome sin in our lives and be restored to a right relationship with him. That only happens because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And we know that that's true because of his word that he reveals to us. In the Old Testament, he told us that Jesus was coming. And in the New Testament, we read about what Christ has actually done for us. And his word is precious and beautiful to us. But I think sometimes, even even, uh, growing up in a great church like this, many of our teenagers, when, when they hit high school, they begin to, you know, Take for granted, well, I did all the Awana thing, and I've studied all those verses, and I've memorized these verses, and I've done, I've done all of that. And we take for granted that God's word applied to our lives 
is beautiful and it makes an, a, an immense difference for us. So I've, I've titled this message this morning, Why Study the Bible? Or Why Bother to Study the Bible? Because as a believer, we, we need to understand why we study the Bible. But, but if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, sometimes people on the outside of the church think, well, why bother? What's the use? What good is it? What does it even mean for me? And there's some things that I want us to see. That the Bible makes us alive. The Bible helps us to be wise. The Bible gives us joy. It gives us clarity. It helps us to be pure. And it helps us to be godly. The Bible, when we rightly understand it and apply it to our lives, does all of those things for us. And so we're going to be focusing on, beginning in verse 7 of Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. You and I have to understand that that the Bible is truly God's word. The Bible is what God has revealed to us, what he wants us to know. Everything that we need for life and godliness is revealed to us in his scripture. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that God knows is revealed here. God is infinite. He is all-knowing. He has much more knowledge than he has revealed to us here. But everything that we need for life and godliness is revealed to us in his word. It is perfect. It is without blemish. It is without fault. It can be trusted. You and I need to always understand and believe as our foundation, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and in having a relationship with our Heavenly Father, we need to understand that the starting point is that God's Word is perfect, reliable, and trustworthy. There is no fault, no blemish, and nothing wrong in it. So then what does that mean for us? Well, the fact that, that, that the law of the Lord is perfect, it tells us that it can revive our soul. Revive is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible, in my mind. When I think of revive, I think of the story of, of Lazarus, when he was, he was dead. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And, and, and Lazarus came out, and he was, he was revived. He was brought back from death to life. And that's what God's word does for us. God's word has the power to restore us back to life and bring us back into a right relationship with God. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to have a right relationship with God. And if God's word wasn't perfect, if it wasn't trustworthy, if it wasn't reliable, if it wasn't complete, whole, and lacking nothing, God's word would not be able to truly revive us and bring us back from death to life. But it can, because God's word is exactly what it says it is. It is, it is perfect and reliable and trustworthy. And so you and I can know that, that when it tells us that we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, that that is true of me. I know that it's true of me, but God's word tells me that that is true of me. But see, what we don't always understand is, you know, because I know my own life and I know that I'm a sinner, when, when I read something like, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it's easy for me to say, of course, that's, that's true, because I've also experientially, I know that that is true in my life. But sometimes, God's word challenges us in a way that, that we're not completely comfortable with. You and I, we, we see something in God's word, and, and we're not sure that that necessarily is true. But you and I have to understand that our starting point must be God's word is reliable, fully trustworthy. And so when, when we come into conflict in our lives with something that is contradictory to God's word, it's our life that has to change, not God's word. 
God's word is pure, holy, and perfect. It is reliable, and that is how it revives the soul. But what that also means is that, that it brings this internal revival within us, this, this conversion that takes place. And what comes along with that are the fruit of the Spirit that can, can only be, be part of our lives because the Holy Spirit is now in us. But that revival takes place and, and it's like this infusion of, of what God wants us to be and what God wants us to have. Our whole person then must be changed because the perfect word of God revives our soul. It brings our soul from death into life. And that is a beautiful thing. His unblemished word stirs our soul and awakens it to eternal life and brings us back into a relationship with him. And that is such a beautiful thing that God's word does that for us. God's word makes us alive and makes us complete again with him. But then we continue on in in Psalm 19 and we read that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Again, we see, we, we, we see the psalmist repeating this mantra to make sure that we understand it's, it's perfect and it's sure. These, the, the Psalms and the Proverbs repeatedly use these poetic couplets, these two-line phrases that, that help us to repeat things. And, and I think it's because God knows that people like me are slow. And he's going to have to repeat something for me to, to hear it and understand. And it's not just because sometimes I don't hear things well. It's because sometimes I don't want to hear things well. And, and so, so the, the psalmist is repeating these things for us. So, so not only is God's word perfect, but it's also sure. And, and when I think of sure, I think of, okay, I'm going to walk out across this bridge, across a ravine. And what am, I, what am I going to do first? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go like, all right, is this going to hold me, right? I want to make sure that this is going to hold me before I trust it to cross. God's word is sure. It will hold you. You and I can have confidence that God's word is sure. And so then what does that do for us? Because it is sure, it makes wise the simple. Now, I don't know about you. I don't really like being thought of as simple, <laughs> But you all know me. I'm pretty simple. <laughs> you and I have to understand that, that, you know, the infinite God of the universe knows so much more than you or I. And you or I, we need to understand that oftentimes we're just lacking in the things that we truly know. That's really what that word simple means, is that you and I are lacking knowledge. Uh, you know, it, it could be, um, you could translate uh, this as, as lacking knowledge, lacking understanding. But the word for that is ignorant. And when we put ignorant in the scriptures, people don't like to think of themselves as ignorant. Uh, but ignorant literally means just not knowing. And, and so that's what this word here really is saying. They're, they're, you're, they're lacking knowledge, but God's word is sure. And so it can make wise the simple. God's word, if you and I will study it, if you and I will invest our time in, in reading it and applying it to our lives, it is sure. It will tell us who God is. It will tell us what he requires of us. It'll tell us how to have a better relationship with him. And then out of our, our knowledge of God and our, our understanding of who he is, that knowledge will flow out into everything else that we do and we'll no longer be simple. 
I loved Pastor Tim's message a couple of months ago where he talked about wisdom and, and how the most simple people and the most uh, uh, people who, who maybe aren't the most learned or educated could be the wisest people in the, wor- in the world if they will apply God's word to their life. And this is that, that is the promise of this verse, that, that the surety of God's word when applied to our lives will make us and help us to be wise because his word is always right and sure. And if we encounter it, and if we believe it, and if we apply it to our lives, then our lives will be, will be characterized by surety and confidence because it's not in who we are, but who God is. God's word helps us to be wise because it is sure. But we've got to read it, we've got to study it, we've got to apply it to our lives for that to happen. And then Psalm 19 continues on for us, and, and it says that the precepts, the, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So, so it's perfect, it's sure, and it's right. Perhaps God will have to repeat it a couple more times for, for slow people like me, but God gives us his laws, his precepts, and all these, all these words are, are synonyms, just in case you didn't pick up on that, that, that his word and precepts and all these uh, words are talking about the word that he has given to us, and the Bible gives us his precepts, his rules for our behavior, guidelines for our lives. God has told us what he wants from us. Now, without the power of God living in us, it's impossible for us to live according to his laws. It's impossible for us to fulfill these laws on our own. But when we know Christ as our Savior, when we're indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we have the ability to say no to sin and to say yes to righteousness. We have the ability to to apply his word to our lives and live in a righteous and holy way that honors him. And, and when we understand that the precepts of the Lord are right, they will rejoice our hearts. When you know Christ, your life should be characterized by joy. The people around us in the world should, should look at this church and they should look at the people that go to this church and they should say, there is something different about those people. It's not that their lives are perfect. That's not what we want them to think. It's not that they're, they make no mistakes. It's not that they have no conflict in their life. It's not that things go easy for them. But no matter what, they seem to have a joy that I don't have. You see, because God's word can bring us joy and contentment. Because we can truly know and understand that, that God will work all things together for good. For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He will will help us to to walk through these difficulties and we'll not be alone. We'll have the Holy Spirit with us and we'll have Christ our Savior leading and guiding and directing us the whole way. So we should have a joy in us that is complete and whole. And if we will take God's word and apply it, we know that there's blessings in that. When we apply God's word to our lives... When we live in the way that God has commanded to us, our lives will be characterized by more joy and contentment. Oftentimes we think, you know, uh, maybe I would just be a little bit, life would be a little bit easier if I was just doing this little sinful behavior over here. I'm going to do this sinful behavior uh, and, and, and going to pretend that, that, that I'm pursuing joy and happiness. We, we make that lie. We tell ourselves, okay, I'm going to pursue this sin for my own joy and happiness. And it doesn't matter what that sin is. It can be, it can be you're, you're out there gambling, trying to make a lot of money, 
so that you can you know, provide for your family. If I could do this, it's going to make me whole and complete. It's going to bring me joy. It could be drugs and alcohol. It could be uh, relationships outside of marriage. It can be all sorts. Fill in the blank of that sin. It could be gossip to try to impress your friends and so you'll have more friends. We do all those things trying to convince ourselves that we'll be more joyful, more complete without it. But the reality is, that's not true. That is a lie from Satan. And if you and I want complete whole joy in our lives, we only can have that by taking God's word and applying it to our lives. I I can have joy and contentment without money. I can have joy and contentment by pursuing Christ. I can have joy and contentment by pursuing the relationship that God has given me in my life. And instead of pursuing all those other things outside of what God has told us, we know, the word tells us, that that we will have true joy when our lives are lived in a way that is consistent with the word that we say we believe. And we'll be freed from the power of sin in our lives. We we won't have the guilt and the the shame associated with, with trying to live that double life. We'll confess those sins and know that God's grace is sufficient to cover all of those things. And when we do that, we know the joy and contentment that we can have. God's word, because his precepts are true and trustworthy and right, it will rejoice our heart if we will live according to his word in our lives. And Psalm 19 continues. And, and for me, this is perhaps one of the, the most important ones that, that when I read through these, this one just, I, I love this one. The commandments of the Lord, uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Because I am a simple person, because I am a little bit slow sometimes, and because God sometimes has to knock me on the head and really try to get my attention to, to help me to understand things, it is a beautiful blessing and, and, and for me to know that, that, that the commandment of the Lord is pure and he will enlighten my eyes. He will, he will give me discernment and wisdom and guidance and direction if I will just take his word, read it, and apply it to my life. If I will do that, if I will take the commands of God and apply them to my life, my life, I keep saying lives, if we will do that and apply it to our lives, uh, we know that God will then use that to illuminate the things in our lives that we need to change. God brings clarity and, and guidance and direction and instruction. But see, too often we think of God's word as, as burdensome and, and, oh, and, and especially those that are outside of Christ think, oh, these Christians, they have all these rules that they live by. But you and I should be people that know and live out in our testimony of the fact that living according to God's commandment, according to his rule, according to his pure and holy law, it brings clarity in our lives. It brings an understanding of what we really need to do. And we know then that we can please God and honor him with our lives because we're taking his word and applying it to our lives enlightening the eyes. God's word will do that if we are willing to take the time to invest and to understand it. And then it continues on as well and says, and the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. God's word helps us to be pure. Pure and simple. God's word is the only thing that can help you and I live a life that is holy, pleasing and righteous in his sight. 
because in God's word is revealed the gospel message that, that we can't on our own live that holy life. But Christ, the, the perfect lamb of God, did come and live that perfect holy life for us and die on the cross, not for his sins, but for mine and for yours. And God's word reveals to us that, that then when we understand that, now we can live in a way that pleases God, that is impossible for us to do on our own and in our own strength. God's word will forever change your thoughts, your heart, and your attitude. God's word will do that. And, and, and we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to Christ. That's what the, the word is supposed to do and the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in our lives after we've come to Christ. So you and I, if you know Christ as your Savior, we need to understand that, that we shouldn't be asking friends to clean up their life, to get rid of the sin in their life so that they can come and hear God's word. That's backwards. We bring our friends who, who have sin in their life and who do need their life cleaned up just like I do and did. We bring them to hear God's word and let God's word convict them. We let God's word and the Holy Spirit to, to demonstrate in their lives that they need a savior from their sins. God's word will do that. But you and I, too often, we, we want people to kind of clean themselves up. And well, I don't know if I can invite so-and-so. They, they talk like a sailor. And I, you know, I don't know. If I bring, bring them around my church friends, somebody, somebody might hear something and, and, and then that would just be really awkward. And, and so I'm just not going to invite them. Maybe they'll get saved and then I can invite them to church. That doesn't make sense. We should want people here that don't know Christ so that they can see the difference that God's word has made in the lives of those people who do know Christ. And then they'll go, huh, there's a joy in them that I don't really understand. There's a, there's a purity in them that I don't get. There's a, there's a way that they walk and they live their life because they've got wisdom and answers that I just don't seem to have in this world. And we should want them to come in to be part of that so that they can see that difference and that they might want to know our Savior. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I love the church service in the park uh, on an annual basis. I, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons that I love it is almost every year, there'll be somebody pedaling by or walking by or walking their dog, and, and, and they'll hear and see what's going on, and they'll stop and they'll listen. And it's, it, for me, it's just a beautiful thing. I, I actually love it when I'm, when I'm up on that big old cement platform that's empty, uh, I always feel so alone up there. I thought our platform here is big. That one's even bigger. I, I always feel so alone up there. But I love it when I'm up there and we're, we're talking or singing or preaching or something that's going on and you see people walk by and they'll stop. And they'll, they'll, they'll give a pause and they'll listen. That is such a beautiful thing. It's, it's, a, it's a testimony of the power of God because I think sometimes those people are like, wow, th that's different. That they're here and they're doing that. And I, I think that you and I need to understand the power of God's word to do that. And I think that sometimes all that means is that you and I should probably have this book out a little bit more when we're in restaurants. We should probably have this book out a little bit more when you're in school. You should maybe have it out a little bit more when you're sitting around and you're doing homework or you're done with your homework and you're just kind of sitting around waiting at school. Pull this Pull this book. And, you know, it's great to have this book out. I, I can have all of the Bible on this book, and it's fantastic. But if I'm sitting, if I'm sitting in, at a table somewhere doing this, you don't know whether I'm praying, playing Angry Birds or, or reading my Bible. 
wait, Angry Birds isn't really a thing anymore, is it? That was, that was like 2008. Uh, sorry. Uh, I guess I'm getting old. So I, I love that I can always have God's word with me in these devices. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. But there's a testimony about having this book out. And, and I think that you and I should, should be willing to kind of understand that. And, and then this truth of God's word helping us to be pure, we have to understand the way that that works. We don't expect people to clean themselves up before they come to Christ. We expect to bring them to hear about Christ, to hear from God's word, and then let God's word do what God's word does. And then it continues on, and it says, the, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous. The word of the Lord, the, fear, uh, the, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous. There is nothing that you and I can add to this book. There's nothing that you and I should take away from this book. It is true. It is righteous. And you and I can use this book to understand a holy and righteous God who does judge sin. We can use this book to understand a holy and righteous God who, who does want a relationship with us. And we can use this book to help others then to know that same God. And we can now live according to his standards. We can now conform our lives into the image of his son. And we can now live a life according to the desires that God has for us. But then as Psalm 19 continues, uh, it, it says that the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. And I think that's a question that all of us who know Christ as our Savior should really ask ourselves this morning. Is that really true of me? Do I really desire this book more than gold? Do I really want this more than the things in this world? Do I really believe that this book is, is sweeter than honey? Or sometimes when I go to God's word, do I, do I find it bitter and, and hard to swallow because I, I don't want to conform my life to the image of Jesus Christ that I see here. I don't want to live according to the laws that God might have for me. Well, you and I need to understand that, that it is no mistake that, that, that God has given us the truths that he has in this word. Because you and I need to understand that that we can't do it on our own. So every time we come to God's word and, and, and you don't find it to be sweeter than honey, more desirable than gold in your life, you and I then need to, to ask, okay, God, so what, what do I need to do? What changes do I need to make in my life? What sins do I need to confess? What, what do I need to get rid of in my life so that I will really desire this book, your words in my life more than anything else? And only you can answer that for you, and only I can answer that for myself. We have to, but we have to evaluate ourselves. Why is it that I find myself struggling? Why is it that, that I, maybe I'm going back to the same sins over and over and over again? And perhaps that is that we're not spending enough time in God's Word. We're not going to the source of truth enough. Maybe we're spending too much time reading 
other people's thoughts about what this book says and not investing enough time spending with what God actually himself says in this book. And so there's a couple simple things that I want to remind us of this morning. And, and this is not, you know, this is not complicated. This is not complex. I kept it simple because I'm a, a simple person. But the first thing that you and I have to understand is that, that if that we want God's word to be all of these things in our life, if we want God's word to, to, to help make us godly, help us be pure like it is, help us to, to understand and, and enlighten our lives and all of the truths that we just looked at in Psalm 19, if we want these things to be, be true in our lives, the first thing that we have to do is we have to hear God's word regularly over and over and over again. And that includes, yes, coming here and hearing God's word preached. And I praise the Lord for, for Pastor Tim who preaches and, and feeds us well in the word weekly. And, and I think that involves being, it means being involved in small groups and, and maybe some midweek stuff so that we can have it throughout the, the times there. But it also means on my own, I am taking the time to read God's word and to apply it to my life. And, and, and I'm not just trusting the, the once a week sermon that I'm getting from this pulpit or the, the once a week teaching in a small group or uh, a midweek Bible study. But I myself am, am pouring over God's word and saying, teach me, Lord. Speak to me from your word because I need to know. God's word is the cure for all of those things, and I have to hear it if I'm going to apply it to my life. And not only do I need to hear it, but I really need to study it. Because God's word can take the simple and make them wise, you and I should want that. So that means that I need to, on my own, be studying God's word so that I can understand it. Because there's nothing in this book that you can't understand by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. We need to just study it over and over and over so that we can know these things and apply them to our lives. I can't trust Pastor Tim's study to make God's word applicable to my life. I need to study God's word for myself, and so do you. And then I want us to understand that memorization isn't just something for our Awana kids. You and I, even when we're adults, even those of us who aren't good at memorizing Scripture, should be memorizing Scripture. So that you can have it on the tip of your tongue, no matter what situation you find yourself in. That's why, I think as well, some of these Psalms and Proverbs are so repetitive. Because so God knows that this way, Chad will be able to remember some of those things. Maybe you need to find some good music that, that helps you to memorize these scriptures. Maybe there's other things that you can do. But you and I need to be memorizing it. And we need to be meditating on it. God's word will make a difference in our lives. But if we have it in our head because we've memorized it, and then throughout the day we're, we're thinking about it and, and we're, we're hearing it preached, and then I see something that happens in life and I'm like, oh yeah, that's just like that verse that I was reading yesterday. It's amazing how God cements that learning in our lives. But he'll only be able to do that if you and I have read it, if we're studying it, if we're memorizing it, and if we're meditating and thinking about it over and over and over again. And if we do that, we know it won't return void. It will make a difference in our lives. It will change us. But do we really believe it? 
If we did, we'd be studying this book like no other book in the world. And I hope that is true of you. And if it's not true of you, and you, you need to uh, find ways in your life to make it more true of you, kickoff Sunday is next week. And that means that we'll be starting new small groups and you'll have an opportunity to get involved with a new small group where you can study God's word. You can get involved in a, in a Wednesday evening, whether it's a Bible Institute class or something else. You can find someone somewhere that will help you dive into God's word so that you can do these things and you can apply it to your life. There is, there is no time like right now at the beginning of a year to dive into God's word and to know it and to understand it so that you will be able to say with the psalmist, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's how Psalm 19 ends. We want our our words and our lives to be pleasing to God. And to do that, we need to know this book and know it well. I am going to close this in prayer. Mike's going to come and uh, close this in a final song, and then I'll give some instructions uh, regarding our fellowship time and our cookout time together. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your precious gift of your word. We thank you that you have revealed to us everything that we need to know for life and godliness. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to be people of the book. Help us to be people that, that know your word and have applied it to our lives. And Father, we pray that we'd be the kind of people that, that as we're doing that, that all around us, people will see the light of the gospel in us. They'll see your word resonating in our hearts and in our lives, in our families and in this church. And they'll want to know more about you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray that you'd help us to know you better and to live for you because of it. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, our God and our Redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.